Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. So if you're visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. There should be a card underneath the seat in front of you, the connection card. Just fill that out, turn it in electronically or in the box in the back, and uh, we'll get back with you. If you have a prayer request or anything else, want to know anything about the ministries of this church, you can fill out the same card, or you can go to our website. We'd love to get you involved, and you should be involved as a believer, a part of the body, part of this ministry, uh, doing and living and active uh, within the body. So please let us know if we can help you out with any of that, get you some information. So we have Tim that's going to be preaching this morning, and uh, he's going to be preaching out of Acts. So if you'll turn to Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read 42 through the end of the chapter, verse 47. And um, I'm reading the New King James. So unless they change it, I'm going to read the New King James. I'm going to be rebellious with those stuff behind me. Anyway, that's what Tim's preaching out of New King James. So we're just going to... Tim and I are together here. All right, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually continuing daily with one another in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and its truth. I pray that you will use Tim this morning to preach that word and that truth. Lord, that we'll be able to hear it and understand it and that your spirit will move in our lives to, uh, to change, to adapt, to learn, to be steadfast, whatever it is, maybe all of it that we need uh, to live out your truth and be lights in this world. And we say this in your name. Amen. See, I've asked me several weeks ago to uh, fill the pulpit for him and uh, the Sunday that he gave me. Uh, the Wednesday right before that, which was, by the way, two weeks ago, but the Wednesday before, he texted me and he said, hey, you finished your message yet? I thought, oh, he's going to be in town. And uh, I said, uh, pretty much, but um, I said, what do you got? And he said, I'm going to be in town. And I said, then go ahead and preach and uh, go ahead and do your thing. And uh, I said, I'll do, if you're going to change the date, then I'll just pick up the date that, that, um, that you are going to be gone on. And... Uh, but the cool thing is this, guys, is in that two weeks, God just really changed my heart on what I was going to bring. So I began to just watch what's going on around in our world, around in our country. So much division that's going on. That division that we see is not just in the world. It's infiltrating the church. There are two entities that are trying to change the church. You have on one side, you've got uh, just the secular world who says, look, we need to water it down. We need to make it useless. Uh, It's one of the things that's keeping us from being able to have freedom to do all we want. So they're trying to water it down and redefine what the church should be. On this side over here, you actually have people who profess to be Christians, but they want to water it down so it's easy and it's comfortable. 
Both sides are working basically in the, for the same goal of let's redefine it so we can have what we desire. They make his question simply, what is the church? What are we supposed to do? What is the purpose of it? The church is not just a social club. It's not. It's not a religious organization. By the way, guys, if you study religion, you'll see that religion teaches go do so that you can get. Christianity says it is done, receive. We, we need to stop looking at uh, what the world is trying to do in defining the church, and we need to stay true to what it is. And according to Scripture, the church is not this building, of course. It's those sitting here. It's, an, it's actually an organism. Many parts coming together. In fact, one definition is the church is a living, functioning system of inter, uh, interdependent parts, believers, which constitute the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Even Jesus prayed for his disciples, that we might be one, not a bunch of ones, but we might be one. You may have different gifts. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 talks about there's all these different giftings, but it all works together for his glory. Probably the best word for it and the word that we see here in this passage that we're going to dive into here in just a minute is the word fellowship. You know, as I was preparing this, um, I went full-blown CF. I could have made this one verse four or five weeks worth of sermons. Then the early service, BJ was waiting for the nod from Ken in the booth, like, hey, we can start. And I walked up there and I said, dude, you got to get going. I got two hours worth of material. I'm glad I didn't say it loud enough everybody else could hear it. They would panic. But there's so much richness and there's so much, so much material in this of what we need to hear, what God desires the church to be and, and how it's to, to act and how it's to work together. There are no eyes in this. You know, it's funny, it says there's no I in team. And I thought, well, you know, there's no I in family. Oh, no, no, there's no I in family. There's no I in unity. No, there's an I in unity. There's, so I said, forget it. There's no I in this. It is we. That's why I named the, 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 the sermon, I titled it, The We Factor. It's about us working together to accomplish what God has called us to. A fellowship is two or more people that have come together, that have been bonded together in some significant way. Something significant has taken place. Listen, we can come together for a moment, like uh, Thursday night, we had a, a warrior banquet next door at the fairgrounds, and it was tremendous. But once that was done, everybody went back to what they were doing, except for the organization that we were representing, Mighty Oaks. They'll be continuing doing their thing. But everybody that came in to make it what it was, was this moment that we just kind of came together, and then we went on. Church here is a little different. It's a lot different in that we are a family. And we're not supposed to try and find some way to make our Christian life easy and comfortable. God didn't call us to that. I don't know if you've ever read anything that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has written or not. I'm quickly becoming a fan of his. I read a book a few weeks ago called Life Together. 
And in, there, in the book, it basically says this. Let me give you a little background, by the way. At the time this is being written, Bonhoeffer is being persecuted by the Nazis. The church is being scattered. The majority of the churches are, are leaving the true call of the faith and adhering to what the Nazis are telling them to do. And then there's a remnant that's holding up firm to what God had called them to be. And as this is going on, Bonhoeffer writes this. When Jesus is at the center of our fellowship, the world is radically transformed. There's a little bit more, but I'm going to read that again. When Jesus is at the center of our fellowship, the world is radically transformed. If we are at the center of it, the world is not going to be radically transformed because it's about us. But he goes on to say this. So may the church be a relationship among fellows, a fellowship bound not by ethnicity, social class, or status, but by the redeeming power of Christ at work in us through the Holy Spirit. So this misdefinition, if you will, of the church that's out there, and it's saying that just kind of be your own thing, do your own thing, break up what is, what is biblical. Fellowship should be the central component. So the question I throw to us today as we go through this passage is, are we doing it correctly? Is our heart set properly focused? And by the way, what's supposed to happen within a fellowship? We're going to look at that. Again, just looking at this passage, I mean, we could go weeks and weeks on this passage to fully unfold it. Let's take a look at the background of Acts real quick so you kind of understand the context of what's going on. Acts itself is, it has eschatology within it. It has apologetics within it. It's historical. The, the main thread in this fabric of Acts is God's sovereignty. But it also talks about the universality of uh, Christianity and who it's reaching. I mean, think about it. It goes in, in the book of Acts. It goes to the Samaritans. It goes to the Ethiopian eunuch. It goes to Cornelius. It goes to the believers, the Gentiles, excuse me, Gentiles at Antioch. It goes to the poor. It goes to the rich. It goes to the powerful. It goes to the weak. It, it, it encompasses everyone that we see in this book. And so as we see, and we look in this one part, 3,000 people were added to the church. And then they began. And what did they do? Well, we're going to look at that. But the one thing, guys, that I want you to pull from this is to hear this. Being a part of community. By the way, community comes from two words, common unity. What is our, what is our common basis here? It's Christ Jesus. Being a part of community is the spiritual duty of every believer. It should never be a choice. We submit ourselves to the goodness, or to the, to the good, the betterment of God's glory. You know, so the church is to operate as a community, as one. If we look at our, our theme verse, which is verse 42, and it says, okay, 3,000 were added to the church, and it says this, and they continued steadfastly. Some of your Bibles might say, and they devoted themselves. Let's stop on that word for a second. The Greek word here is pros katerio. Two words put together. Pros means to. It means to, it's, a, it's a, actually an action word, to move toward and commit. So to and then 
Carterio means to endure, to tarry, to uh, remain somewhere. So it's a commitment on our part that we are going to come to the place that we are supposed to be and fix ourselves there. So what do they devote themselves to? The next part of that verse. And it says, and they devoted themselves. I'm just going to say that because it just flows better. In the apostles' doctrine. C.K. Barrett said this in a commentary that he wrote on the, books, on the book of Acts. It says this, The steady persistence in the apostles' teaching means two things. That the Christians listened to uh, the apostles whenever they taught. And two, they with great care and perseverance practiced what they heard. You see, it doesn't mean that they came in and just, they just listened. They came in and they prepared and then they went out. If you've ever played sports, especially football, you know, there's a playbook. You have to learn that playbook. You have practice. You come together and you, you prepare yourselves for the, the ultimate game. Here's our playbook. And the game is every day. Now, understand, there's, there's three, you know, two ways you can look at this, three parts each one. You can sit, soak, and sour, doing nothing. Or you can sit, soak, and serve. God's called us to sit, soak, and serve. We come in, guys, this should be a time that we come in and we celebrate through worship and we listen to God's word and let it encourage us and charge us that when we leave this place, we understand that the moment we drive off, we're on the mission field. God, where do you want me to plant this week? What do you want me to do? I just, I don't want to cower down and, and hide in my back bedroom or cower down and hide in my office and, and just be quiet. Father, I want to be used by you. How does that look? You don't have to go out there and force it. God will show you. But you know, when it, when it said that they committed to it, the essence of it is basically this, to be immovable upon that which you commit. I commit to come under the apostles' teaching so that I can go out and do what I have been called to do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here it is. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, when we come in, that's, one of the, that's, that's the thing about this church that I love so much. What is our, our focus? For the equipping of the saints for ministry. To come in and instruct. I love to hear all the new things that God creates in people. It's not that the church orchestrates it. It's that God does. You know, just take uh, Restore Texas for an example. That was not something, you know, that, you know, the high and mighty and lofty came together in a church and said, what should we... Monty had a vision. Monty Robinson had a vision. Other men, and they started it. See, that's what God does. We come together, we get equipped, and then we go and see where God wants us to be. And then we go and we serve. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. It's this great passage that talks about just the power of God's word. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. 
as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Here it is. I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. You see, we want stuff that is palatable. We want things that it's, it's easy. I mean, it's just our nature. It just is. If we can make this a little easier, we'll, we'll make it a little easier. No, that's not what God's called us to. Guys, if you look overseas at our brothers and sisters in countries where they are hostile to Christians, but yet you see the church growing, you, you realize, you've heard this statistic, that in a very short time that the Christians in China who are being persecuted will outnumber the Christians in America. You see, we, we like to just, you know, it's all good. And uh, I'll make it what I want to make it because it's easy. Praise the Lord, my Savior did not want the easy way. Otherwise, we wouldn't be meeting here. It'd be a different world. The next part of what they basically devoted themselves to, one was the Apostles' Doctrine, the next one is, and in fellowship. I read this, this comment one time. I had it in my notes, and I, I didn't notate who said it, so I apologize, but it says this. Even though their fellowship included material goods, its primary reference must be to the ideas, attitudes, purposes, mission, and activities that the Christians shared. You see, it's much more than just a covered dish, right? I grew up Baptist. Baptist, when you said fellowship, it was a covered dish get-together. Okay? I became a Christian when I was 17, and I discovered what covered dishes were all about. And as a teenage boy, I looked forward to them. But that's not what fellowship is about. It says the ideas, attitudes, purposes, mission, and activities that the Christians shared. Again, the collective group for the betterment of our God. 1 John 1.3 says this. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The fellowship to come together to accomplish what it is that God's called us to do. A lot of you, you don't get the chance. I mean, you're wonderful in uh, supporting us, but you don't get the chance to go on our mission trips that the youth do in Amarillo. And it is basically watching this happen. When I'm preaching today, to see it come together. Our students have to apply. They have to go through a Bible study. They have to complete that. Uh, then they have to, of course, pay to go on the trip. And we take a 10-hour trip all the way up to Amarillo, and we sleep in um, older cabins. I'm putting it nicely. <laughs> One of my leaders just laughed because he knows what I'm talking about. Well, we go up there, and we give our time to go into the international refugee community and love children and tell them about Jesus. And I get the, the privilege of driving between them. And I get to look out on that field and seeing the fellowship of believers fulfilling what God has called them to do at that moment. And they're working, working collectively for the common goal of what God has placed us there to do. You see, guys, when we have the idea that we're the Lone Ranger, the cog in the wheel begins to not turn like it should. So do we have the true understanding of what we've been called to do, which is apostles' doctrine, fellowship, 
By the way, there's two parts in this passage of what fellowship is. Let's look at that very quickly. Actually, when I, I was sitting at the, at the dining room table last night cutting, so you guys weren't going to be here till 3 or 4 o'clock, because I think the first game kicks off at 2. But I was cutting it back. And so this is one area I, I took out a lot of depth. We're just going to kind of just touch on it. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now, fellowship here goes into two parts. In the breaking of bread. Now, this is talking about... Uh, Lord's Supper, and it could be as in uh, sharing a meal. I mean, I'll, I'll text other youth pastors in town going, hey, dude, you want to break bread this week? It's my way to say, hey, you want to do lunch? Now, here in this time, a typical staple on their, on their table would be bread and wine. So they could do communion. They could do the Lord's Supper easily. But the point is this. In this moment, what is communion? It is this remembrance and this, this, this time of gratefulness for what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. When we have a fellowship, a breaking of bread, we can still, we may not do literally the Lord's Supper, but we can remember and give Him glory. The second part of it is, it says, in prayers. Harry A. Harry a. Ironside said this, in one of his books, he said, prayer is an, and is an expression of dependence. And when the people of God really feel their need, you will find them flocking together to pray. A neglected prayer meeting indicates very little recognition of one's true need. Over all the years, guys, I've gotten to serve at this church. There have been times that we've had special called prayer meetings. And we haven't had one in a very long time. But I can remember things were going on in our nation. We called a prayer meeting. I can remember times when people were having uh, difficulties in the church body. They would call a prayer meeting. And people would come up. And uh, we used to do them over in the, used to be the sanctuary. Now it's the youth room. And we would just spend time in prayer. And I mean, you kind of come and go. But we would come together and bow down before him. My day starts with a devotional I have a devotional book that my mother-in-law, who's with the Lord now, gave me in 1996. And uh, I use it every morning to kickstart my day. And then pull my chair out, shut my door. I have a piece of paper I put over the window and it says praying. I still didn't stop people, but it does some. But I'll be in there just taking what I need to take before the Lord. And guys, sometimes it's not like, here's my, here's my wish list, God. Do this, do this, do this. Sometimes... It's just praise. Sometimes I'm, I'm reading the book of Psalms and I just praise through it. Doesn't have to be my, my want to. He's not the great cosmic Santa Claus in the sky, guys. He's not. Gimme, 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 fix, fix, fix. God, you deserve glory and praise and honor. Whether I bring any petition before you, you already know it. And you know what my heart is towards it, God. And I pray that you would answer it according to that. But I pray for your will, not mine, because you're perfect. But coming together in fellowship with other people, breaking bread and in prayer. But you see, guys, when we're doing fellowship correctly, there's a product that comes from it. There's something that naturally takes place. There's three elements that, that we need to know about. The first one is this. Intentionality is necessary for a biblical community. Intentionality is necessary for a biblical community. What does an intentional mean? It means to do on purpose, not by accident. That you desire to be a part of the fellowship on purpose. 
It means that we refuse just to simply go through the motions. A lot of times, guys, you know, let's just be serious. People can put on a good front and you'll never know the true depths of their heart. We just can't. God does. So if someone comes in and pretends to be what we think they are, what they're trying to put off to us that they are, and we believe that, God knows, and they'll have to answer to him for it. But I need you to ask yourself a couple of questions this morning. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are you here? Why do you pray? Why do you read the Bible if you read the Bible? Why do you bring God up in a conversation? Why do you do what you do? The second one is a little bit more specific is, do you come to church just as a matter of convenience or is it a matter of commitment? Is your involvement in a church body weighed upon whether it's convenient or is it because it's commitment? God, I want to be a part of your body. I want to be active and engaged. And guys, please understand, it, there, there's a lot of different ways that you engage, okay? I'm not saying that you have to show up and swing a hammer or, and that's usually just children's ministry when you're trying to control them, but... Whenever I uh, do premarital counseling for a couple, we'll eventually get to a point that I'll ask them the question, hey guys, do you think you'll ever wake up on a Sunday morning and just look at each other and go, hey, what do you want to do today? So if that's a question that comes up, you've already missed the point. I'm not saying you can't take a Sunday off. I'm not saying that, guys. But I'm just saying in your mind, if God is always secondary, then we've missed the boat on that. God is primary. So when we are intentional, it means that we have set our priorities based upon what God says. So I want to base my life upon what he has said. Now, listen, one of the trends that we see today, because basically the pandemic kind of pushed this out there, but it's the um, watching on TV. Now, listen, I know some people, they need to. They can't get out of their house. In fact, right now in Dallas, uh, two of my grandkids... Blake and Brooks are watching. Hi, guys. Giving you a shout out. But a lot of times people just, you know what? It's, it's more convenient for me to have my cup of coffee, stay in my PJs and just watch. You're missing out and being part of the collective, being part of the fellowship. You need this. We need this. It's so amazing to me as I watch people interact in the foyer and in classes and stuff and hear uh, the teaching, one, or two, hearing the encouragement or seeing someone out there uh, being prayed for. You, know, you miss out on all those opportunities if you just stay away and just make it your world. God did not call us to make it our world. Matthew 6, makes it very clear but we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Not our own, not ours. First the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And of course, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking or neglecting the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We're not to neglect it. This is a gift. I had a student uh, earlier this, this year. It's not the first time I've been asked this question, but it's the most recent one. And the, the student said, why do I have to go to church? 
And I said, bro, you're missing the point. You don't have to. You get to. This is a gift. This is a gift to be able to come together with other believers. Guys, a little, little side note. Also, sometimes, listen, sometimes life can get so busy that we don't look outside of ourselves. And people walk right by who are hurting. Well, you had the opportunity possibly to, to say something or pour into them. I've missed those opportunities. But just to take that moment, just being looking, just to look around. You know, I challenge students all the time who are at Alpha or at, you know, uh, Huntsville Independent School District, you know, and just, do you take time in the hallway to pray for people? Maybe you don't stop and pray for them, but they're just on your heart and you pray for them. You know, I pray for our kids who are homeschooled. I ask my kids, excuse me, I, I challenge our kids who are homeschooled. Do you pray for each other in your home? Or you have extracurricular activities. Do you, you pray for those that you're around in those things? In other words, you're looking for ministry. You're looking for where you're, what your part is in this fellowship. So intentionality, number one. Two, unity is necessary in a biblical community. Look at verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. There was unity. By the way, this is not a Bible verse that supports uh, socialism or communism, by the way. This was voluntary. They wanted to. They didn't look at themselves as being above someone else. I am here to serve whoever God puts in my way this day. You know, one of the things, guys, I have to be just really transparent with you. I miss, and some of you guys have been here a long time, so you can remember those days. I look at Paige over here. I know you remember these days and um, the berries, the Pittman's. Remember when Believer's Fellowship was Believer's Fellowship? Somebody went to the hospital. Almost the whole church was in the emergency waiting room because we wanted to find out. We were always doing stuff together. I do miss those days. Now, listen, I'm not saying, you know, I think that's what we need to go back to. But I just miss that. I miss that fellowship. I miss those moments where uh, we were family. Now, we weren't the perfect family. We had our times where we had the bumps, but we dealt with them. But you, even in a church this size, guys, we can still be one. Even though you, you have... You know, your small group here and, and you have your, your, your friends here. That's fine. But listen, look outside those groups. Don't make those a, a comfort zone. Nobody's allowed in because, no. Looking outside. God, what else can we do for you? What else do you want us to do? I love what Acts 4.32 says. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Unity. I'm going to read it again. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Look at Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Guys, see, Scripture tells us that unity is where we should be. Again, I want to just say something again, just so it sinks in a little bit. We're not always going to see eye to eye on certain issues. But that doesn't mean my love stops for you. 
And now hopefully your love for me won't stop either. And, and hopefully we can take some time and come to whatever the disagreement is and finish it out. But it should never distract from what we are called to do. Let me tell you something, guys. One of the biggest deterrents to Christianity is Christians. That's a proven fact. I mean, I've had people tell me, I will never be a Christian because I see how you guys live. Well, how do we live? Oh, y'all fight and you don't get along. And I said, but that's the outside world too. Yeah, but you guys are supposed to be different. I said, I can't argue with that. I said, but the world is the world. And brokenness is everywhere. I I explained to them, listen, God created it perfectly and we broke it. And he sent Christ to give us the opportunity to bring us back into intimacy with him. But it's still a broken world. And so we have to make sure that we are constantly pushing ourselves to be united and overcome those things. In fact, yet we need to weigh sometimes. I do this. Am I wrong? Am I selfish in this moment thinking I have to be right? You know, it's always funny that uh, when people get into discussions with, um, you know, just dealing with Christianity, it's, it's those who, well, most of the time, most of the time, it's those who aren't Christians who are raising their voice. Christians, I've seen them raise their voice too. Guys, by the way, you don't have to raise your voice. Okay, you're not trying to win the argument. The argument's already been won. Christ died. He's been resurrected. Salvation's been granted. And God is not on his throne sucking his thumb, wondering what he's going to do next. So if you have a discussion with someone about what you believe, you just remain calm. Oh, no, it's not, it's not true, or that is true, or this is what we believe. Basically, when they're, they're getting fired up, basically they're preparing to try to push you away because you represent the standard they don't want to hear about. But for us, when we're in uh, the fellowship and there's a disagreement, there should be unity that you are willing to come to a brother or sister and say, listen, I, I've been hurt by this. And if someone comes to you and say, says that, don't put up the barrier. Listen. Because sometimes the apology isn't like, well, you know what, you're right. Because they, they may not be. But what could come out is, listen, I, I'm sorry that any of my actions offended you. Because it wasn't my intent. I, 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 fully, I'm, I don't really see what your argument is, but, but, but I'm sorry that my actions hurt you. Forgive me. To for the sake, again, for the sake of unity. I read this comment. It said this. Uh, it said, unity means sharing the common experience of our joys, fears, tears, and His divine glory. Some have said a, a Christian community is a group of people who are committed to Jesus and committed to one another, sharing their lives together. It is God's people hanging out together, doing chores together, eating together, working together, playing together, serving together, studying God's word together, growing together, laughing together, and crying together. First Corinthians 12, 25, 26 says, the members should have the same care for one another And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I've been in hospital rooms with uh, groups of people. And we've had the times we've cried together because of hurt. And we've cried together because of thankfulness. But you know what? We cried together. 
And we were there because God called us to be there. Third and last one, guys, is this. Missionality is necessary in a biblical community. In this passage, we see there are five functions of the church. Discipleship, fellowship, service, worship, and evangelism. Five things the church should be doing. And we have been given this mission by the Lord himself. John 20, verse 21 says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, I send you. Listen, if, if your faith system unplugs after church is done, you need to go back to this and understand that God has set us all on mission. And we're on mission together. Fellowship of Huntsville, we're on a mission together. I'm very grateful to be on this staff. I'm very grateful in the way that this church has supported uh, what God has called me to do. And it's because we have worked together. You know, Acts 2, uh, 27, when it says, And daily they were praising God, having favor with people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When they are on mission, the world can be changed. When we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, God will allow us to see him do amazing things. And of course, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus speaking, And all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Missionality is keeping our focus and devotion set on Jesus and pointing others to him. Listen, we'll never be content as followers of Christ, just being a bunch of believers who get together because we're not carrying out the mission. That's called us to more than that. Bonhoeffer said this, that Christ calls us into three progressive aspects of the Christian life. He calls us into a personal faith, which then moves us onto mutual love and care and sharing within a church community. And then leads us to a united outreach and witness. Does that describe where you are? Author Tim Chester wrote this. A church is not a meeting you just attend. It's not a thing that you do. It's who you are. It's your identity. And it's your place of belonging. When's the last time you actually felt like this is where you belong. This is where God's called you to serve. Typically, when I introduce someone new to the church that's come and joined, my prayer for them every single time is that God will plant them deep and use them mightily. Have you planted deep? Have you, been, have you allowed yourself to be planted deep? Basically, when, the gifts that you have and who you are, you have released. God, what I have is, is yours. Are you the fish and the loaves, little guy? I don't have much, God. God goes, that's plenty. Now stand back and watch. 
On Wednesdays when I am speaking to the students right before I get up there, I always pray. I even feel uh, just about what I've got today. God, it's a meager offering to you because it, it should be so much more. But would you take it and bless it and use it for your glory? May lives be changed and challenged for your honor, not, not ours, not mine. When you come into a community of believers and you say, God, I really don't have anything to give you, but I'm here. Then get ready. A Boeing 767 weighs almost 400,000 pounds. 100% of its parts are non-flying parts. But they put it together. And this 400,000 pound plane can reach a cruising altitude of 35, 36,000 feet going 530 miles an hour. If one of those parts starts doing its own thing, could be some issues. Guys, I look out here and we could be that plane. But all I have is this little part. And bring it to the Lord and watch what he does. Quit looking at it. It's like this is insignificant. To God, there is nothing insignificant. Do you understand? And by the way, some of you say, well, Tim, you don't know my past. You don't know the things I've done. God wouldn't want to use me. You want to bet? Look at Scripture. Look who he uses. Quit. Hey, by the way, quit listening to what the world is saying that you think defines you. I've met with so many people over the years that... Um, have that mindset that God could never use them because they did something they shouldn't have done or they lived a certain way or whatever. And I said, you quit listening to what the world is saying to you and you listen to what God says. He says he loves you. He said he desires for you to be used by him. You are a masterpiece. Even though you have chased a different direction, but now you've come back. And God says, look, when... when my son died on the cross. He paid for that. That's done. Don't bring that up anymore. Quit listening to the enemy. What you are is dearly beloved. And with you, I will do great things. If you will simply just open your hands. How about you today? Are you ready to say, listen, I'm going to open my hands. For some of you guys, it's, it's physical things that you can do. Come in and work and do things. Some of you guys, it's, it's prayer. For some of you guys, I mean, it's, it could be financial. For some of you guys, you've got a gift of encouragement. And I, every Sunday, there's always at least one person who will come up and, and say something kind to me. That encouragement, it's always, it's always so... Um, just appreciated. Who have you encouraged today? Who have you loved today? But, hold on, but not for your sake. You know, there's, there's a compliment, which a lot of times is encouragement, but there's also flattery. Flattery is a compliment with an agenda, a personal agenda. Guys, when you do something for the Lord, you let go. Period. It's yours.
I'm not going to dictate to you how you need to do this, God, or whatever. You know, the fun thing, guys, about that is, is we can have all the plans in the world as to what we expect to take place when we're a part of something. And when we let it go, it's always fun to see when God takes a left turn when we thought he was going to go right. And you're going, whoa, I didn't expect that, but this is cool. What about you guys today? We're going to have a time of invitation. During this time of invitation, guys, it's a, it's a time we'll have our ministry leaders up front, our elders. If you want to come for prayer, come for prayer. Uh, if you don't know Christ, you've never trusted Christ, you want to talk to someone about that, come on up front. Or you can catch us afterwards, too. I know it's kind of scary to come up in front of everybody. Maybe, maybe you don't have a church home and you're really feeling that this is where God's calling you to come plant and have fellowship and community. We'd love to have you here. But I'm going to ask BJ if he'll make his way up here. Would you guys bow your heads for just a second? Let me pray over us and then we'll have this time. Father, we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I, I pray uh, that, Lord, you take this meager offering and that you multiply it in our hearts, Lord. I pray for me, God, that you, you take what I've studied and I've done, Lord, and plant it deep within me. That, Father, that I would be truly intentional, focusing on unity while never letting down the truth of who you are. And then, Father, may I be missional. That every day, Father, I work to make you known to this world around me. Lord, I, I pray that prayer over all of us here. That fellowship of Huntsville, Lord, would erupt with the mindset and the heart set that every day belongs to you. And Lord, what is it that you'd have me do? Thank you, Father, for loving us the way you do and never giving up on us. And to you belongs all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.